section fifteen of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter thirteen prepared for action a message sent to the cartagenian commodore his contemptuous reply the supple jack brings the corvette to action and takes her sinks a brig and captures three schooners murray visits the cartagenan general and demands the liberation of the prisoners an ominous reply the boats were manned and every preparation made for the intended expedition the danger was great but lieutenant murray determined to risk everything for the sake of the object even had he not been deeply interested he would not have allowed the insult to the british flag to pass unquestioned his small crew were in high spirits determined to dare and do everything to rescue the young lady and the midshipmen they at all events the cartagenians had no right to detain whatever might have been the case with regard to the colonel and the officers and the crews of the merchant vessels just then some cat's paws were seen playing over the mirror-like surface of the ocean the sails bulged out and the supple jack began to slip through the water she soon reached the boat which was picked up and then making all sail she sped onwards towards cartagena the glory of cartagena like that of many another place in those regions has departed though in appearance picturesque as in days of yore situated on several islets with green trees rising amid its towers and spires backed by its citadel and curiously shaped hill with the popa convent like the high stern of a ship on the top the town itself is surrounded by walls and batteries which look not a little formidable at a distance formidable though they might be murray resolved that they should not prevent him from carrying out his intentions in a short time the corvette was seen at anchor in the outer harbour desmond and needham had completely recovered and begged to be allowed to land and act as guides should the boats be sent on shore i scarcely think that they will attempt to interfere with us said lieutenant murray but it is as well to be ready have all clear for action mr higson ay ay sir answered higson giving the necessary orders with no little satisfaction i only hope that they will dare to set up their backs we'll show them what our long gun and two short bulldogs can do he said as he went along the deck the men were eager for a fight as british sailors always are though they mustered all told only sixty men officers and crew included the breeze was somewhat light but sufficient to give the brig good steerage way before however attempting to use force lieutenant murray determined to try pacific measures he accordingly hove the brig to outside the mouth of the harbour a boat was lowered and manned and he directed higson accompanied by desmond to go on board the corvette and demand of the cartagenian commodore the instant liberation of the prisoners 
you are to go on shore and communicate with the consul and then return on board as soon as possible he added higson replied that he perfectly understood his instructions and with no small satisfaction at the prospect of something to do shoved off from the brig's side needham who went as one of the crew had described how they had been treated and it was the general belief that the commodore would give them an opportunity of teaching him and his countrymen better manners the commodore seems a mighty proud sort of fellow and when he sees only our small brig he'll not be inclined to accede to mr murray's demand i've a notion said desmond then i'll just give him a hint my boy that he may chance to receive a visit from the rest of the squadron answered higson those sort of fellows are apt to bluster and boast and like mongrels bark loud enough when they see another cur run from them but they seldom dare to bite when they are attacked the corvette however carries sixteen guns though i cannot say how she is manned observed desmond she may carry twenty guns for what i care answered higson laughing the question is how will they be fought our long tom will be a match for all of them depend on that we shall do our best to get ahead or astern of her where her shot will find it difficult to reach us but then there is the brig and there are two or three schooners in addition observed desmond though we don't see them as they are some way up the harbour they're sure to come down to help their consort we must settle her first and then tackle them said higson it is probable however that the commodore will knock under and not give us the opportunity of showing what we can do i would rather see miss o'regan and rogers and gordon with the old colonel safe first said desmond i am afraid that the commodore will be ill treating them in revenge should we give his vessels a drubbing the consul seemed somewhat of a slow coach or he would have found out what had happened long ago and applied for our liberation the breeze carried the boat which was standing in under sail swiftly on she's a fine craft and has eight guns on a side observed higson as they got close to the corvette the sail was lowered and a voice hailed in spanish to know what they wanted higson who guessed the meaning of the hail standing up pointed to the british ensign astern and said that he had dispatches to deliver no rope was however hove to them nor was the side manned so followed by desmond and needham in no very dignified fashion he scrambled on board there's the commodore said desmond pointing to a middle-aged gaunt-looking don who was walking the deck with his cocked hat stuck ferociously on one side and that fat officer is our friend the first lieutenant if they don't know how to be civil we'll show them and stepping aft he made them both a profound bow and introduced higson the dons instinctively took off their hats unable to withstand the influence of the young midshipman's politeness higson handed his dispatches to the commodore who opened the envelope but unable to read english he turned to his first lieutenant and asked him the meaning of the paper 
the latter confessed his inability to make it out for though he spoke a little english he was unable to read it as was possibly the case with regard to his own language higson therefore explained that the dispatches came from the commander of the man-of-war outside the harbour who requested that the british subjects now held in captivity by the cartagenians might at once be delivered up to him the commodore to whom the lieutenant interpreted what higson said replied that he could not give an immediate reply that the dispatch being written in english he could not comprehend it and as to delivering up the prisoners that was a matter on which his government must decide he had therefore no reply to make to the english officer who must take the consequences should he venture into the harbour this was the sum total of the answer given by the commodore through his first lieutenant though it took a considerable time to deliver tell the commodore then said higson that as this is a friendly port my commander will certainly come into it as he wishes to communicate with our consul to whom he intends rendering assistance in obtaining the liberation of the prisoners what does he mean by that exclaimed the commodore when the answer was interpreted to him if he attempts to use force he will find that the honour of those in whose veins flows the pure blood of castile is not to be trifled with and the don stamped and fumed and strutted about the deck drawing his sword and flourishing it over his head as if his ship was about that moment to be boarded by the english desmond reckless of the consequences which might have ensued burst into a fit of laughter what does the boy mean exclaimed the commodore advancing with threatening gestures towards him just tell your captain that my companion is an irish midshipman it's a curious habit he's got of laughing at anything which tickles his fancy and he cannot mean to be disrespectful to so great a hero the first lieutenant explained what higson had said and possibly saved the midshipman from being then and there run through the body by the irate don then i am to understand that this is the message i am to carry back to my commander said higson to the fat officer yes and i hope your commander is a wise man and will not venture into the harbour was the reply i'll answer that he will though exclaimed higson making a profound bow so good morning don whiskerandos as the commodore turning his back strutted aft fuming as before higson shaking hands with the first lieutenant exclaimed i wish that we may have the chance of meeting as friends another time for you're a good fellow that you are he and desmond then beat a retreat to the gangway the lieutenant was so pleased with the last remark that he ordered side ropes to be shipped and the side to be manned and the english officers took their departure in a rather more dignified manner than they had arrived there seems a good chance of our having a brush with the dons observed desmond as soon as they had shoved off and were pulling for the shore perhaps the consul will settle matters but if not i'm very certain that mr murray will stand no nonsense answered higson no opposition was made to their landing and desmond and needham easily found their way to the british consulate for some reason the consul had not returned and their friend the vice-consul said that he had used every effort to obtain the liberation of the prisoners but in vain he was evidently in a great state of alarm and confessed that he feared the worst 
he had however been assured that the young lady and the two midshipmen should be properly treated although the authorities were very angry at hearing of the escape of desmond and his companion and he advised them to get back to the boat as fast as possible feeling assured that if recognized they would be recaptured the fellows had better not attempt it with the english flag over their heads exclaimed higson however we will get back and make our report to our commander if you can manage the matter and let them know that we are in earnest he may possibly draw in his horns the vice-consul shrugged his shoulders and higson and his party got back to the boat and pulled out as fast as the crew could bend to their oars towards the supplejack higson was anxious to be on board for he was very sure that no time was to be lost murray on hearing his report was not long in determining what to do we must go in and insist on the liberation of our friends he said i am sure my lads you'll stand by me a cheer from the crew showed that they were in the right spirit to dare and do anything that he might require the head-yards were braced round and the helm put up and the brig stood boldly into the harbour murray intended to pass the corvette and bring up as near the town as the water would allow the corvette in the meantime had got a spring on her cable her ports were open and her guns run out the little supple jack stood on nothing daunted i don't think that don whiskerandos will dare to stop us though he boasted so much when we were on board observed desmond to higson you're mistaken my boy higson had just time to reply when a broadside from the corvette came hissing through the air one shot only however struck the brig and shot away her forestay we must not allow this to pass unnoticed exclaimed murray reserve your fire however my lads till i give the order the long gun was pointed at the corvette the port carronade was run over to the starboard side murray waited till the brig had got directly ahead of the enemy blaze away now my lads he shouted and a raking fire from his three guns was poured into the corvette sweeping her deck fore and aft the wind being light and the brig's courses being clued up she glided slowly through the water and the guns were again loaded and fired into the bows of the corvette before the latter could return another shot the brig had just weight enough on her to go about the long gun was slewed round and the others run over to the port side and fired greatly to the astonishment of the corvette's crew before they had managed to bring their guns to bear on her when they did their shot flew wide or through her rigging and not one hit her the brig was now almost stationary her crew working with a will fired all their guns twice before the spaniards had returned another shot well done my lads cried higson we have given them as many shots as they have sent at us such was the case and every shot from the brig had told with good effect a few more as well aimed and the dons depend on it will cry he added the crew stripped to the waist were indeed working their guns with right good will all hands on board were employed some loading and firing others bringing up powder and shot from below and the rest attending to the sails the smoke which there was scarcely sufficient air to blow away enveloped the combatants and prevented those at a distance from being able to discern which was likely to be the victor
murray and his crew however very well knew how matters went the splinters which flew from the corvette's side and the shrieks and cries which came from her deck showed the fearful effect their fire was producing on their antagonist at last one gun was silent and then another and then only three replied to them murray cheered on his men who although perspiring at every pore ran their guns in and out with as good a will as at first by this time the brig had drifted still closer to her foe once more long tom was fired loaded with langrage which swept with fearful effect across the deck of the corvette not a shot came from her in return the brig's guns were however again loaded but just before the triggers were pulled down came the corvette's ensign a loud cheer burst from the throats of the british crew murray was on the point of anchoring intending to send a boat on board to take possession when a brig was seen dropping down the harbour and followed by three schooners favoured by a light breeze off shore see my lads here come more of them he cried in a cheery voice we will settle them however as we have done the corvette ay ay sir that we will shouted the voices of his gallant fellows you wouldn't say so if you didn't intend it he answered well try and see how quickly we can finish them off the brig was some way ahead of the schooners and murray anxious to engage her before their arrival put the brig about assisted by the light breeze which just then filled her sails her commander not aware that the corvette had struck her colours was little prepared for the reception he was to meet with as soon as murray had got this fresh foe within range of his long gun he opened fire the shot well aimed went crashing through her side the second shot was fired before she got near enough for the carronades to reach her the belief that the english brig had only one long gun prevented the cartagenians from attempting to escape the next time long tom was fired his shot was attended by two from the carronades the enemy replied with her broadside but most of her shot went flying over the supplejack while others fell ahead or astern of her wide of their mark not one of long tom's shot missed most of them striking between wind and water and as she drew nearer they told with still greater effect at last the enemy put about and attempted to run up the harbour vain were her efforts to escape the last shot striking her gave her her death-blow with her canvas all set and colours flying gradually she sank till the water washed over her decks and her crew were seen scrambling aloft leaving the wounded to their fate within ten minutes of the time she got into action her topmasts alone appeared above the surface just before this the three schooners had come up and had opened their fire but none of their shot had struck the supplejack and their commander seeing the fate of their consorts came to the conclusion that discretion was the better part of valour and hauled down their flags amid the cheers of the british crew murray lowered his boats and sent them to pick up any of the brig's crew who might have been unable to escape aloft the lives of several were thus saved the schooners also sent their boats and took off the men from the rigging the supplejack then stood back for the corvette murray directed higson and desmond to take possession their fat friend the first lieutenant received them at the gangway with his hat in one hand and his sword in the other there was no bluster in him now where is the commodore asked higson looking round the deck which was strewed with dead men 
there answered the lieutenant pointing to the mangled form of a man which lay on the quarter-deck his uniform alone showing that it was that of the commodore he had been almost cut in two by a shot from long tom how many men have you lost asked higson twenty-five answered the lieutenant our crew declared that they were fighting with devils and not men and refused to fire another shot if they had handled their guns as our fellows did theirs we shouldn't have taken you so easily answered higson you deserve a better ship's company many thanks for your compliment answered the crestfallen lieutenant it is the fortune of war the schooners being brought up close to the corvette the supplejack anchored near them with long tom so trained that should the cartagenians attempt to recapture their vessels they might quickly be sent to the bottom the brig's boarding nettings were also triced up a vigilant watch was kept and pistols pikes and cutlasses placed in readiness for immediate use to resist any attack which might be made on her murray while he thus kept watch over the captured vessels felt himself in a delicate and trying position the cartagenian government had hostages in their hands on whom they might wreak their vengeance had they indeed known how dear one of the prisoners was to the young commander they would probably have made use of the advantage they possessed he felt sure that a bold course was the only safe one he might have led his crew on shore and endeavoured to rescue the captives but the attempt he knew would have been sheer madness as a piece of artillery at the end of one of the streets might have sent him and his men to destruction murray like a wise man had retired to his cabin to consider what was best to be done he speedily made up his mind and sent for his second-in-command higson he said i have resolved to go on shore myself and demand the release of the prisoners i leave you in charge of the brig keep an eye on the corvette and schooners and sink them rather than allow them to escape you may depend on it that we will sir was the answer i only wish that we could get our friends on board that we might stand in and batter their town about the ears of the rascals they have had a pretty severe lesson already said murray and i have hopes that they will not refuse to accede to my demands get the gig ready with an ensign and a flag of truce there is no time to be lost higson went on deck and the gig's crew were piped away i say higson do ask the captain if i may accompany him there's a good fellow said desmond perhaps i may be of some use in getting miss o'regan and our fellows out of the prison i don't know how you'll do that answered higson nor do i said desmond but at all events i know the way into it and i think if mr murray will take needham as well he and i would manage somehow or other to get our friends out if they are still in the room in which we left them murray to gerald's great satisfaction consented to take him and needham he had borrowed a new uniform from one of the midshipmen on board and no one was likely to recognize him so different did he look from what he had done in the dirty worn-out clothes in which he had escaped from the prison murray steered directly for the landing-place and boldly stepped on shore regardless of the crowd collected to gaze at the commander of the daredevil englishman who had so quickly beaten their fleet they however treated him with respect drawing back on either side to allow him a free passage as he marched with his flag and attendants towards the consul's house he found that functionary and the vice-consul in a state of great agitation you have indeed captain taught the government here a lesson which they will not easily forget but i am afraid that you have overdone it general carmona sent to warn me that on the first shot fired he would shoot all his prisoners and i greatly fear that he has carried out his threat 
surely he would not dare to murder colonel o'regan and his daughter and the english midshipmen exclaimed murray his voice trembling with agitation i scarcely dare to say what he may have done answered the consul he is a villain of the first water and would shoot his own father and mother if they offended him murray could scarcely speak for some time so overpowering were his feelings by a great effort he recovered himself and said i must beg you to accompany me at once to the general and i will insist on seeing him it was evident that neither the consul nor vice-consul liked the duty imposed on them but they could not refuse to comply with the young commander's request the ladies of the latter's family evidently thought that he was going on a dangerous expedition as they clung round him weeping as if they were parting from him for ever pray don't be alarmed exclaimed patty desmond who did not see anything so very hazardous in the undertaking depend on it your respected papa will come back with a whole skin and if not we shall have the satisfaction of knocking the city down over the ears of its inhabitants the young ladies who had not before recognized patty now knew him by the sound of his voice what they all cried out together are you the young officer who got out of prison in such a wonderful way the people affirmed that you got out with the help of a magician as they have never discovered how you made your escape and the jailer who declares that you were safely shut up when he last visited you swears that it is impossible you should have done so either by the door or windows how we escaped i'll tell you by and by but pray excuse me for the present as your papa and the consul are ready to start answered gerald this conversation took place while the vice-consul was putting on his uniform coat and with the aid of his wife buckling his sword-belt round the wide circuit of his waist murray and the two officials then sent forth desmond carrying the flag of truce and needham the british ensign that flag which every nation of the earth has learnt to respect though some may regard it with no very friendly feelings after a walk of about twenty minutes they reached general carmona's residence in front of the building was drawn up a guard of soldiers who cast scowling glances at the party as they advanced in a short time an officer appeared who promised to announce their arrival to the general they were then conducted into a courtyard and told to wait the officer soon returned and led the way to a large hall with a long table in the centre at the end of which sat a personage in military uniform with several officers collected round him some seated and others standing about talking eagerly together to what cause am i indebted for the honour of this visit asked the general who rose with his officers as murray and the consuls entered this officer the commander of the british man-of-war now in the harbour comes to demand the liberation of certain subjects of the queen of england detained by your government as prisoners answered the consul introducing lieutenant murray the general a tall cadaverous personage with long moustaches sticking out on either side of his face tried to look very fierce and important but ill succeeded in concealing his trepidation and annoyance i might rather ask why the english brig-of-war has sunk one of my vessels and captured the remainder of my fleet though it seems a miracle to me how it should have happened tell him said murray as this answer was interpreted that as his corvette fired into the queen of england's brig it was my duty to punish her for her audacity and that if my demands are not complied with i intend to blow up the remainder of his squadron and then to bombard the town as the consul interpreted this speech the general and his officers exhibited the most unfeigned astonishment at the bold threat which the commander of the three-gun brig had made 
tell him that i mean what i say added murray observing the evident consternation of the mongol spaniards and seeing that now was the time to carry matters with a high hand what prisoners are they you wish us to liberate asked the general all the british subjects you lately captured on board two merchantmen in the harbour of sapote two of them being officers of the queen of england's navy with other passengers the rest being officers and crews of the two vessels the vessels were captured while engaged in illegal practices and some of the prisoners you speak of it is beyond my power to deliver into your hands answered general carmona the vessels and those on board them were legally condemned we must settle about the equity of their seizure afterwards said murray my duty in the meantime is to obtain the restoration of the vessels and the liberation of those of whom i have spoken i regret to inform you that some of them have met the fate they deserve of traitors and rebels and have been shot answered the general mustering up his courage to make this announcement shot exclaimed murray in a tone of deep anxiety as the consul interpreted the general's last remark inquire who they are that have been thus treated said murray the officers and others found on board the two vessels the common seamen were not worth the powder and shot or they would have met the same fate answered the general with as much sang-froid as he could command murray could hardly restrain his indignation on hearing this for he could not doubt that colonel o'regan was among the sufferers he thought especially of the grief into which stella would be plunged and he was more than ever resolved to carry matters with a high hand tell the general that his ships are under the guns of my brig and that i have left orders with the officers in command to blow them up should i not return with the prisoners within two hours you speak very boldly sir exclaimed the general suppose i were to treat you as i have done your countrymen shoot you then my countrymen would very soon arrive with their ships of war and not only knock your town about your ears but hang up you and every officer they may catch at their yard-arms answered murray the spaniards so they may be called pulled their moustaches and the remark had evidently its due effect i must insist also that the two vessels captured by your squadron be brought into this harbour and anchored astern of my brig before to-morrow evening i give you until then as the winds are light but there must be no delay now general i must have your answer as time is passing or before long we shall have your vessels blown into the air i require the immediate liberation of all the prisoners still alive with regard to the rest my government will settle with you by and by and murray took out his watch and carelessly held it up so that the general and its officers might see the time the action had an electric effect on all present the general held a brief consultation with his officers and though he attempted to bluster a little they agreed forthwith to give up the prisoners you have got on admirably captain observed the consul as he and his companions left the hall your mode of proceeding will always be successful when practised on people like those with whom we have at present to deal and on a larger scale probably with most of the nations of the earth End of chapter 13